The pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where we discuss Fantasy Super Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. You can find the website at draftrugby.com and get after us on the socials at Draft Rugby. And please support us on Patreon. Join our growing uh, patrons. All right. Tonight, uh, we are ringing in again from around Australia. Uh, I'm your host, Kagi, and um, we have the results in for Fantasy Super Rugby Round 2. Two of us find ourselves in uh, in the top four, as per usual, and one of us firmly back down the bottom of the table. Um, I'm, I yes, of course, I'm talking three brothers. Three of us find ourselves in familiar positions, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. That's it. No, well, I was. Uh, you beat me to it. I was, I'm again joined by brothers Harry and Nelson. So um, I was going to say, I don't. At this stage, uh, for our listeners, I don't think I even have to hide um, who's who. So um, Harry, how are you? And uh, how does it feel to be back on top? Um, to be honest, mate, it's a very good feeling. Uh, I, I always knew that I was going to end up here. I just didn't think it would happen this early in the season. So Damien McKenzie gets his first run for me, and I'm straight back to the top of the pile. Very happy. Yeah, only for you, mate. He was uh, he was supposed to uh, be out for another week, but because um, he because of those messages you've been sending him, those uh, those dick pics, I think he was like, "Look, I'll turn it up early. I'll come back a week, a week too yeah. too early." I told um, you. Very good. Uh, and also Nelson, um, uh, I'll welcome you in a second. But I, I described in my round two OG league write up um, that uh, it's all going according to your master plan, is it not? Like how how's your week and how's your team shaping up, mate? Mate, I love my team on paper, and I'm starting to resent all of them, to be fair. Um, people let me down that I expected a lot of. George Bridge got 12. I don't think he did that bad last year. Rob Thompson got eight. I don't think he did that bad last year. Papa Lee's been shit again. Like, Just none of my players are stepping up, except for Afaleli Farsi, who was on the bench for me. So... I mean, for, he's just earned himself a starting place. So I'm going to ignore the pick a Safa, a pick a Kiwi over a Safa thing that uh, most people live by when it comes to fantasy footy, and I'm, I'm going to just start picking on, on form. And uh, no, quick, quick shout out to Alex North on Twitter for calling you out for all your excuses, Nelson, for how bad your fantasy team is. Yeah, uh, Alex North can uh, he can uh, suck me off. <laughs> <laughs> very good, yeah, very, very mature good. response. Um, <laughs> and so, just to, just to be clear, you would have won if you picked Afalo Farsi this week. Uh, he was is that big a difference maker? In fact, he would have scored a third of your team's points for the week. Um, yeah, mate. Look, I, for me, that's that's a sign of uh, positive. So that's probably the only positive I can take out of the week that I could have won if I if I had Farsi starting. So I'll take that as a very small win deep down and think I've still got a, a comfortable place to go in the next few weeks. But if that happens again, I'm just going to start slaughtering some of my players. Just picking random. It's true. Look, it's true. You, you, you are always one um, to find a positive um, out of anything. And uh, I guess, look, we, we should... Like we, you guys. That's it. We, we should move on. But I think, um, look, we, we talked about how Afalo Farsi could have been a third of your points this week. We, we know a third of your team uh, is made up of the Highlanders, um, just want to go back to uh, our New Zealand conference preview. Where did you say that the Highlanders were going to um, finish in Super Rugby 2020 in the conference? Uh, probably third, I think. 
I think Chiefs to win, Crusaders second, Highland is third. Oh, Actually, I, no, I said lower than that. I said lower than that. I think you said fourth or fifth. Actually, I didn't say I fifth. Be, yeah, I wouldn't no, be surprised if you said fifth. Um, and we'll so it's just... No, no, I was just saying it, it's it's a good way to, to load up your team with the players from uh, a thirtieth team with the players from the Kiwi team that you think is going to become bottom of the conference. So, um, good yeah, shout well, out. That. That's the best team in the comp anyway, so it doesn't matter. All right, anyway, yes, Harry, please. right, we should move on. Um, for tonight's pod for Entree, we're going to review Super Rugby Twenty Twenty Round Two. For main course, we're going to preview Round Three, what's to come, what to expect, and for dessert, Rookie Watch. So going to take a look at some exciting rookies um, and how they're panning out in 2020. So uh, without further ado, let's just jump on in. So in round two, the Sunwolves had the bye. So um, not many fantasy players uh, probably were affected uh, in most leagues. But um, the first fixture was the Highlanders and the Sharks. So um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I think I think everyone expected probably more from the Highlanders, to say the least. Uh, I thought that um, we're all looking forward to lots of fantasy points because it's under the roof. And uh, there certainly were some fantasy points, but um, not from the Landers, uh, from the Sharks. So yeah. the Highlanders won 20 to 42. Oh, sorry, Sharks won 42 to 20. Probably um, expected a lot less from the Sharks as well. They were really good. Yeah, look, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's fair to say I, uh, I expected more from a lot of the Highlanders players. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good. Um now, all right, so returning from injury, we had Ash Dixon and Rob Bobby T. Um, he, he turned back. Um, we had um, – we didn't really have any new injuries to note. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a standard case of the Sharks playing a lot of defensive footy. I think they kicked over 300 metres in the first half, just playing the territory, defending like champions. And the Highlanders really couldn't um, – just couldn't come up with that counterattacking flair. Um, you know, they didn't capitalise on their few opportunities. So, um didn't see, yeah, they just didn't come, didn't have answers essentially, um, and the sharks kind of ran away with it. Um, so, look, in terms of fantasy uh, players in this one, fantasy the man of match, we've already talked about him, Afaleli Farsi, ninety points, huge, seven tackle busts, four line breaks, two tries, hundred and seven meters run. He just looked majestic. <clears throat> um, it was incredible. Uh, Jonah Nareki, the only positive from the Highland, or no, there was two positives, but. Literally the only two positives from the Highlanders. Jonah Narecki, eight tackle busts, three line breaks. He's one to watch. One got picked up in our fa- in our league this week. And 62 Marino, points. 62 points, thank you. Um, and Marino Michaeli, too, uh, started number eight, 59 points, seven tackle busts and th- three line breaks. So, um, yeah, we'll have to, uh, I guess, see what happens with the Highlanders. Keep an eye on those guys. Yeah, for sure. Look, I think they can improve. We'll go into that a little bit later. But the next game was the Brumbies, uh, 39 to the Rebels, 26. Uh, I actually think this was – that's a flattering result for the Rebels, seeing as how it sort of all fell apart for them. There was a lot of head injury assessments in this game. Scotty Seo, uh, Tom Cusack, Reese Hodge, they were all very early – uh, Pete Samu had a pretty serious one, and Matamura as well. So the Rebels actually, they really struggled because they didn't uh, carry, uh, who is it, De- uh, Deegan on the bench. So they had no backup fly half other than the starters. So they ended up having to shift uh, Meeks into to 10. And I think he did pretty well. He was uh, his typical self, I suppose, running running the ball up and, and distributing a little bit, but he didn't do too bad. And we saw uh, Lamani used on the wing, which got him his first try of Super Rugby. The Brumbies, look, I, I mean, 
they were dominant in the scrum and they got a number of penalties out of it. Lalesio, he had another really good game and, and just looks to be building in confidence. Lick offloads, a grubber that, that set up some assists uh, and needed a little sneaky drop goal, which is pretty confident from a guy in his second game of Super Rugby and not very typical of an Aussie team. So interesting to see there. Um, the Rebels had signs but just fell apart. One big thing I think out of this is TK seems, uh, Karindrani seems to be losing a little bit of his value, which I, I did say yeah. in the preseason uh, preview that I thought Qatar was going to use a lot of those runs that TK is renowned for. And, and Simone's been doing the same. And you both poo-pooed me with that, especially Harry saying Qatar wouldn't be used like that that early on. And we've seen it from game one. So I, I take that as a oh, bit of win. Look, I think oh, I also yeah. said, I said Simone. Oh, yeah. um, had been kind of taking that role last year. Um, he, he'd taken a lot of those hit-ups from TK. Um, yeah. And yeah, so now we're two people looking at Yeah, I agree. Um, but d- he was still used a fair bit like it last year. Team stats, the line breaks went almost all the way of the Brumbies, 11 to 5 and offloads, 8 to 4, doubling them in that uh, factor there. DHP was the fantasy man of the match. He had a just slick one, like all by himself try. He got 72 points, 13 runs for 102 metres. Also had a try assist, the line break, slotting in at first receiver a little bit as well, nine tackle busts and an offload. Izzy Nasserani was worth a mention as well from the Rebels with 45 points and 15 carries. And Pete Samu, before he was concussed at 54 points, and Tom uh, Tom Wright looked exciting again with 52 points. He's class. (coughs) Yeah, absolutely. So next one, let's keep powering through the entree. The Chiefs versus Crusaders. I thought this was going to be the uh, what? What's up, Nels? I was pulling the face from just pointless time wasting comments, but it's fine. Continue. Okay. So the Chiefs versus the Crusaders. The Chiefs got up twenty five fifteen in what I think is probably the two best teams in the competition. Three drives to two. The Chiefs took this one. Uh, I thought it was a cracking match. When I look back at the stats, a few things surprised me, which I'm going to get into. But the big return was obviously Damian McKenzie originally expected to miss it with an adductor overload or adductor tear. We weren't really sure. But either way, he came back into the side. And there was potentially a new injury to Quinn Tapea as well. He went down hard at about the 46-minute mark. Not exactly sure what he did. He was seen jogging off, looking very comfortable, mind you, momentarily after that for uh, Nunkerville coming on. So it could have just yeah. been... Could have just been yeah, he looked, he looked fine uh, when they walked around and, and sort of talk, chat to the, the fans afterwards as well. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. Um, good chance we see him again next week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I thought this was uh, probably the, the biggest thing with this game was the Ruck was just absolutely ferocious. And the two players that really stood out for me there were Lachlan Beauchere, first of all, who had five turnovers. And I'm not sure how many forced penalties, but he was insane. I uh, thought he was really, really good last year when he came in to cover a few injuries. But he's just growing another leg this year again. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Luke Jacobson because he's really nailing down that spot really well. Yeah, I would say you probably run the three of them with Sam Kane as well, to be honest with you. But it, it's obviously not the best balance either, but they're just spoilt for choice. Um, and also Tom Christie from the Crusaders as well made 20 of his 21 tackles after 16 from 16 last week and three turnovers as well. Huge. David Havili, a bit of a mixed bag at 10, started insanely well with two set-up try assists for Sebu Reese. Cross kick and a long ball, uh, and then made a few mistakes in the second half. 
Um, the two best fantasy players in the world, Sebi Reese was a weapon. Um, two tries early on. Uh, he's just insane, but he just kind of went missing after that. He just didn't get enough ball, and obviously that was probably one of the biggest problems for the Crusaders. Um, Damian McKenzie, I said he came back. Surprisingly, he took one of the long kicks late in the game from 45 metres out, but Aaron Cruden was kicking short as well, which was a little bit of a surprise. So not sure who's going to be the long-term option there, if it was just resting Cruden from his groin or something else. But he did grow into the game a lot. He ended up passing the ball 18 times to Cruden's 12 as well. Uh, So he did get into first receiver a lot. Uh, in terms of the stats, the Crusaders were dominant on the tackle bus, 24 to 13. But uh, And the, the defence as well, they made 91% of their tackles compared to 82%. And it, I think it just showed that uh, maybe the Chiefs were the better team in scramble defence as well. And a bit of an issue there for the line-out for the Chiefs as well, only winning 12 of 17. Uh, so a big problem for them moving forward. And we thought that might be an issue considering how few stops they had. Severu Reese, man of the match for fantasy, 53 points with 11 carries, two tries, three line breaks, and four tackle busts, and some solid performances from Cody Taylor on 48, Fetu Douglas, 42, Sanders on 41, and both Sam Payne and Mitch Brown on 43. How good. Yeah, what a game. Definitely the two teams to watch for the uh, for the competition, and it was the opposite of last year's uh, free-flowing game. It was a real physical and hard encounter, so exciting for things to come from them. Um the next game, Waratahs uh, and the Blues in Newcastle with the world's biggest crowd. Um, no, actually, I think it was the reported smallest crowd ever, and I'm sure they still inflated those numbers. I think they said 7,000. Well, it could, it um, probably could have been the torrential rain and, like, hundreds of millimetres <laughs> throughout the match that, that landed on the ground. That could be playing a bit of a part. That's that's true. Um, but, look, so the Blues took this one, uh, 32 to 12, five tries to two, and, uh, yeah, they just ran away with it in the second half. Um, so, look, returning from injury, we had Harry Johnson-Holmes coming back just from an illness, so he slotted in to start at tight head, um, and he played well. And new injuries, we had none other than Mark Nunkard. No, he's gone again. No, one no, one was was it, mate. Oh, oh, mate, I said on. it. I got it. It was all good. No, no, I could hear it. I was talking. It's true. That's it's hard to hear when you do talk over me, Nelson. Um, but anyway, look, yeah. So the Waratahs just tried to play too much footy in that wet weather that Nelson's talked about. Um, I think at one point they chose uh, a scrum scrum to attack from on their own five meter line, which was kind of a bit insane. But um, uh, the Blues were uh, a bit dominant at scrum time. Um, and look, it was just a really kind of tight first half where they were just feeling each other out, um, and the score was eight seven at half time. So not much in it. And they did turn them over, the Blues, on that five-metre scrum option as well. So just dumb. Yeah, yeah crazy. I don't know. don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, um, the second half, however, was where things got more exciting. Mark Talaya, so perhaps might pop up in our rookies to watch. Um, second half hat-trick. So uh, fantasy man of the match and round, 97 points. How good. Um, definitely one he'll remember. Um, and definitely one fantasy managers will be looking at if he's not already picked up. So he was very good. Hoskins to 2-2 uh, last week. Absolutely brilliant this week. Still good, not as good, and didn't score very well for fantasy, that's for sure. He was unlucky to get a yellow card. I think perhaps I've got my Akira Iwani coloured glasses on, so that might be jading uh, how I saw him playing. Harry uh, saw him have a better game than I did, including um, a pretty gun try assist. Um, yeah, that, what, how do you that grubber, that grubber from a number eight was very impressive, oh, and he was responsible. Was for the, he was responsible for the go for they got in the first try as well by actually getting them over the ad line, which then immediately resulted in a try next phase. 
Yes, but um, on, on Akira Watch, Satutu's uh, uh, yellow card, uh, whilst uh, it was good for Akira owners, it meant that Akira only came on to play the last 10 minutes. And to be fair, he didn't even look that enthusiastic. So I um, don't know what to expect from Akira yet, but uh, don't know if that, if, I don't think we'll see him get a starting run based off this week's performance. Um, Mark, no, no, we, no, 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 Marky Mark, I can't, I can't do it. Can't do it on the pod. Could say it all day <laughs> off the pod, not on it. Um, nice. he, and, Anyway, another insane finish for a try. It's, you know, two, two world-class try finishes from two weeks. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, so very good from him. Uh, he was the top uh, fantasy scorer from Waratahs with 36 points. Um, and otherwise, the, we've talked about Talera on 97 and Joe Marchant on 53 points. Yes, Nelson. Yeah, look, I um, I think the, one of the interesting things to take out of this from the Tars, I mean, very new look to team and a, and a lot to, to, to see there. I think moving forward, they showed a lot of intent, but the Blues just completely outsmarted them, kicked to, for territory, something that they uh, realised they played too much in their own zone last week. And, and they played the better wet weather footy, kicking to the corners, kicking to, to down into that 22 of the Tars and put that pressure on. Um, and the Tars just had no answer. Is decided to fling the ball around. So I think that, that must have been what, what sort of uh, dictated the game. Yeah, very good. I guess the last final points are just uh, they both kicked terribly. Tars won from three, Blues three from seven. And um, and the tackling wasn't great either, about 80%, uh, around 80% both teams. So, um, yeah, that was the story of that one. Nels, take us away, Lions, Reds. So, look, I think this was a, a game that the Reds definitely could have won. Uh, they ended up going down 27 to 24 tries to two. We saw the return of Andreas Coetzee from his return from Japan. There were no new injuries, which is uh, refreshing to see because there has been a few over the week. Um, look, the Lions drive uh, driving more truck and trailer. We were talking about this. Um, the Reds decided to not contest. Um, and then, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty blatantly obvious that they then didn't actually touch the player, which then engaged them. And then there would have been a, a truck and trailer. But they were sort of saying as well that they didn't pass the ball back. But, I mean, it can never be a truck and trailer if no one makes contact to that truck and trailer. So the, the, the Reds step back and the, the Lions just push forward and score. And it was a right idea, poor execution by the Reds. I think, I think the problem is that um, the ball had to stay at the front. Otherwise, it is just like shepherding, right? It's like only, uh, the problem- only if there's contact. If there's no contact, that's not correct. Yeah, exactly. no, you can't no have one... obstruction. If there's no tackling player being obstructed, you can't have an obstruction, which is essentially what it is, right? So the the only way this is a penalty is you step back, they pass the ball back, and then you make contact to the, the mall, which didn't happen. Yeah, they never made the contact. Yep. So it was just poor execution from the Reds. Um, look, moving on from that, to, there was a couple uh, yellow cards from the Reds, Tupo got one just before half time, which is from repeat infringements in the red zone. John Nasser came on for his debut and got a yellow not long into that second half, basically with his first impact. That was pretty telling for the Reds. Um, I think Tyron Green's worth a mention. We, we mentioned him early on in the year. I thought Vandasile Similani was going to be more of a lock-in, but Tyron Green's taken his chances and he was brilliant, scoring two tries. Uh, another interesting thing is we had Jock at 10, um, O'Connor at 10. 
I think he played better at 12. Um, it was pretty interesting to see Stewart came in and he did quite well at 12, making his tackles and, and probably shored up that defensive line a little bit and did okay in attack, but I don't think that'll be their, their best combination. Uh, Jordan Patea, again, he looked not too bad in defense, but didn't get his chance to, to have much of a run around. Um, yeah, I, it was an interesting one. I think the Reds just let this one slip. Um, for me, is there anything else you boys wanted to add about that? No, I think you're right. It was there for the take. Um, I mean, I love the massive scrum where they they were no uh, front, no tight heads left. So I had to get the Lucy in, two Lucys in there, and they had a, a winger on either side of the scrum, and they won that. It was amazing, huge moment of the game. Ah, oh, yeah, the red scrum is dominant. I do remember seeing Kargi's notes on this game, and it was about eight points in a row about the scrum. So he was clearly frothing on that. Yeah, I, was look, I think it's. Yeah. it's- Probably fair to highlight how good that red scrum was, but we don't need to talk about it that much, um, even though Craig would like to. Uh, look, I think for me, clearly the guy we've already talked about I'm excited about, Tyron Green, man of the match with 70 points, 12 runs, 72 metres, two tries, eight tackle busts, two line breaks. Um, Tate McDermott, definitely worth a mention as well, 64 points, and he's just an exciting, dynamic uh, halfback. I think it was good to see Lucas come in at fullback but uh, it will be interesting to see how they play out in those roles. Great try. Great try from McDermott. Love the footwork. He's just, he's just awesome. He is exciting. Very good. All right. Well, let's move on to the Stormers and Bulls. Uh, the Stormers taking this one at home 13-0. They have yet to be scored against in 2020. So that's pretty good record. See how long they can keep that going. Um, returning from injury, Kobus Visa. He came back from a knee via the bench. Uh, Juana Augustus, uh, the young prospect number eight from the bench. And uh, new injuries, Yako Kutsir with a head knock. Um, was it a head knock he had last week as well, Harry? Or Yeah, I, I thought it was. But then Dobson just kind of dropped it in on the, um, on the interview after the game. They asked if there was anything. He said, oh, he's taking a head knock, so we might have to go through the concussion protocol. So not confirmed. Very good. All right. Well, this game was, uh, look, you know, if you think I was excited about scrums in the Reds game, I was. Uh, and I'm not going to talk about scrums all day in this game, but it was a classic uh, South African derby. I think the commentators probably said about 40 times that there's five Springboks in the two front rows. I had to think about that one for a while because I didn't realise. Uh, Springbrook. Springbrooks, yeah. Um, no, I, had, I didn't. I had to think. Uh, I didn't realise Scara and Tabeni had a, a, a Bok cap as well. But um, no, massive scrums. Um, and just a lot of set pace. It was a big forward battle um, and uh, Mornay staying doing what he does best. Uh, I think we're all, uh, look, we, Boring it was a little, it was a little reminiscent seeing it. Like, look, the man can definitely play, but he was built for, for Northern Hemisphere rugby. Perhaps it's, it's better that South Africa is going to the Six Nations uh, in a couple of years, uh, but we won't get into that. Allegedly, <laughs> um, allegedly, allegedly, that's it. Um, I like the look of uh, uh, Johan de Toit, Peter Steff's younger brother. And uh, look, I mean, if he's half as good as his older brother, then uh, they're set set with him. So very good. Um, I think he could be quite t- a good fantasy player too, if, if he gets more minutes. Yeah, no, absolutely. He um, he's definitely got that intent. Big carries and yeah, offloads and whatnot. But um, a high work rate as well, and he, he got some good points per minute last last year as well. Yeah, he did. Um, the first half highlight, uh, literally the only highlight of the first half was. Uh, a rolling mall uh, where uh, who got the try? Jamie Roberts or Scar and to Benny? We still don't know. Um, you know. It looked like Jamie Roberts was the one who came up with the ball. So rolling mall off a line out. Both the backs got in there. Um, but uh, anyway, Scar got attributed with it. So very good. 
Um, and the second half, there was an absolutely fantastic try from the Stormers. The whole team was kind of involved, but uh, Sonatla finished it, storming down the, the sideline, um, showing his pace, and it was very good. Um, all right, in terms of uh, match stats, Willemsey and the Stormers kicked one from five, so that was uh, that was their only real weak point. Willemsey didn't have a particularly good game and with fantasy points either. Um, and Stormers had 35, only had 35% of the territory but kept the Bulls scoreless, so... That speaks volumes about their D. Uh, fantasy man of the match, Scar into Benny. So um, 50 points. Um, <clears throat> as you said, he bagged that try, taken over from Bongi. Um, and for the Bulls, the only one worth mentioning was Jandre Rudolph with 42 points, 15 tackles, nine carries, and three turnovers, one. Just kind of got involved. So those are the only two really worth a mention on the fantasy front. It wasn't a big fantasy game. Yeah. On to the Jaguares versus the Hurricanes. So this was surely going to be a Jaguares easy win after the form from round one. But the Hurricanes absolutely stole it 26 to 23. Two tries apiece. We had a few players returning from injury for the Jaguares. You had Gonzalo Bertonal, who a lot of people are saying are most likely going to end up as a starting nine. He came off the bench. And the hero, Geronimo de la Fuente, started back at 12 after recovering from his calf tear, a soleus tear. Um, Capitan. New injuries. The Capitan, that's right, hero. Uh, new injuries, we had Scotty Scrafton withdrawn from the game beforehand. Absolutely no one made a single mention of it anywhere. Ultimate Rugby didn't mention it. Uh, commentators, I don't think, mentioned it. It's still not on the internet anywhere, so we don't know exactly what he's done. But what it did mean was that Isaiah Walker-Liawere came straight into the starting lineup, and he is a man that we've been hanging out to see. He played very, very well. I think kind of grew into the game as it went and uh, ended up, I think, really laying his mark on the game. So that was exciting to see. Um, the first half really, I think, just had a test match feel, feel to it. A lot of kicking for territory, trying to feel each other out. I think the Hurricanes were trying to hold their game back a little bit after it didn't work for them last week. And also uh, Garden Bashup, I think, is probably a little bit more of a pragmatic kicking fly half as well. Um, I, I thought that the Haguares were definitely the more, more dangerous team for the vast majority of the game. Um, and I thought the Hurricanes, to be honest with you, looked a little bit rudderless for the vast majority as well, at least for the first kind of 45, 50 minutes. Um, one thing that was very impressive in the early in the game was Geordie Barrett kicking a penalty from 63 metres. Huge. Huge. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember anything being that big. No, I, think, but I think that's the new record. He's taken it off Dan Carter by uh, a lot of social media reports. Everything's true on social media, so it must be true. And Vea uh, Fafida, lucky late in the game not to get a yellow card from a no-arms tackle. And thank God for the Hurricanes, he didn't get a card because one of the last plays, the Hurricanes, sorry, before the Hurricanes were down 23 to 12 with 15 to go before they started to snatch it, the last play, La Mape put a little tweak forward pass to Vea Fafida, who gave it back down off an offload to La Mape, stepped half the team and then... Finally put the reserve nine. What's his name? Help me out here. Um, from Jamie, Booth. Jamie Booth over the line to, to actually steal it at the death. A lot of uproar on that. I think the TMO tried to pull them up and the, the ref just basically said, I'm happy with it. That's how I prefer it to happen. I think it's good if the ref's the one making the call. Yeah, I agree. Look, 100%. It, there, there's going to be some times that we will have mistakes. If we go over every call, it's it's going to be an issue. But I think he stood by his call. It looked pretty flat. There's no point wasting a minute or two on it. 
Yeah, and, and I think, Nelson, you wrote an article that you reposted again about those captain's challenges, which might be a better way to go. They've really got to consider something like that. Yeah, the uh, team stats, yeah, the, the Hags were definitely the more team, dangerous team with the ball. Like I said, 15 to 9 line breaks. The Hurricanes having issues at their own line out as well, only winning eight of their own 12. Otherwise, the stats were pretty even. The fantasy man of the match on this one was Emiliano Buffelli with 76 points, seven line breaks insane is that wrong way around i'm sure someone's got that wrong three yeah. tackle bar punch. it's correct yes yeah. okay yep. seven line one, break. Break. one offload 123 meters off his 12 runs so over that 10 meters a run as well crema had second with 59 points 18 tackles and 16 carries insane work rate and nanila mape getting back into form with 57 points how good. Um, the Hurricanes, are they back? So we'll uh, we'll have to see you next week. All right, moving on to our main course. Uh, we're going to preview round three. Um, so in round three, the buy uh, the, is the Bulls. Um, and Harry, you've got a point on this on, to do with the South African resting protocol. Yeah, I highly recommend everyone just listen to everything John Dobson says because he has no <laughs> yeah. He just tells everybody everything. Basically, he said that there's the this, this South African resting protocol was break, broken into three different categories, and it's essentially the, the South African international starters, the bench players, and then the rest of the squad. And as a rough idea, the starters are expected to miss three games this year, the reserves <laughs> two games. And the rest of the squad won game for the year as well. So it's kind of individualised, but not really. They've kind of grouped them into that. Yeah, on the topic of those resting protocols, there's also been a lot of talk about the Kiwis with uh, Tony Brown coming out and uh, Gatlin coming out saying they're not big fans of the way it's working and they, they should be trusted to, to deal these things. Uh, so, I mean, we, we may see things change. Uh, we also, the new Ian, Ian Foster said that things might change for the New Zealand conference as well. Very good. All right, well, let's get stuck in. Our first fixture for next week, Friday night, footy, Blues and Crusaders. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, if the Blues win this one, I think uh, they've put, made themselves uh, title contenders, haven't they? So, um, yeah, all right. No, uh, I mean, yeah, no, go this ahead. Is, this is going to be a pretty interesting one, I think. I mean, we, we all have our gut feelings of where is it's going to go, and, I mean, I'd, I'd be highly surprised if we are wrong. Uh, there's Hopefully there's... Uh, we're going to see the return of Richie Mwanga at 10 after his only niggles of the groin and knee. Uh, quite potentially, we see our Terry Black back. We'll talk about where he could fit in after his rib injury. Tony Lamborn uh, as well from his infected cut. Um, so basically, look, I think the Crusaders uh, are yet to, to receive a rolling more trial uh, concede one since 2018. They're dominant both in attack and defence in terms of their driving mauls. Quite likely we're going to see them uh, score a try, which could be a good thing for Cody Taylor, just because of that dominance that they have there um, and the Blues not necessarily being too strong with a lot of different players coming in and out in comparison. So yeah, Perifetto as well is a guy that we need to uh, address. What are we going to see from Perifetto this week? Are we going to see him shifted to fullback now that Terry's Black's in? Are we going to see him starting and, and drifting out there a little bit later on in the game? Something's got to change because he's been missing kicks. He hasn't been looking too exciting. He hasn't been doing too much uh, from that 10 position. Shifted out to receiving the ball a few times off kicks. He looks more dynamic 
returning kicks. So, I mean, I, I really think we need to be seeing him at 15 rather than 10. And hopefully that means we see Terry Black get the chance. Plummer, he was a wet pillow when he came on. He didn't do too much. Uh, and, I mean, oh, I'm going to be – I'm surprised that we're going to see him again on the bench if, if Black's fit. Um, look, it's only happened a few times in recent years. Every time the Crusaders lose, they come back and they just absolutely murder the next team they verse. Last time it was against the Rebels, they won 66-0. Previous to that, it was against the Canes. They won 32-8, and that was in Wellington. So good luck to the Blues. Uh, They're going to be raging here, and I think every player is going to want to fight for their spot because there is so much uh, competition in all those positions, and and they're not going to slip down that, that pecking order. And another interesting question is Akira Yuwani. We uh, alluded to it a little bit earlier. Where do we see him fit in? Do we see him come back into the starting side? We sort of think that probably he won't. Um, they've got a lot of players from that five to eight uh, that five to eight jersey. So how are we going to see that play out? It's going to be a pretty tough game up front. So they're going to need a pretty dominant and strong forward pack. So probably the same as what we saw last week. Maybe we see Tony Lamborn come back in um, because he had such a big impact in round one. Is that how you see that back row and, and sort of uh, the locks shaping up, boys? Yeah, 100%. I think that's the most likely thing to happen. They have said before, you know, they're going to pick their team for who they're playing, and the Crusaders are pretty benchmark when it comes to physicality in a forward pack. Yeah. Big source on the for bench sure. will upset you, though. And yeah. just like uh, just like the Crusaders having uh, Romano come in off the bench, Akira would just make great impact from the bench. You know, he's the kind of player you want to inject in that last half half an hour. Yeah, if, if he actually is keen for it, he could be very good. Um, yeah. On on, on uh, just the note of the All Blacks time so far, knowing their protocols for the first three weeks, 180 minutes. Scott Barrett, he's paid 47 minutes round one, 65 in round two, which leaves him 68 minutes. Uh, for, for this game, Jack Goodhue, he had 47 and 75 minutes, meaning he's only got 58 minutes left. Um, do we see uh, Havili slotting in at 12 um, with the return of Moanga? And uh, Patrick Tuvalo too, he's had 54 and 64 minutes, so he's got 60 minutes left. Just something to be mindful of. Yep. Yeah, and, and when I was looking at this one here, uh, Jack Goodhue, Scott Barrett, I think that more than any other New Zealand team – Razor's probably on the front foot looking to try and get a rest for his teams first because of the fact that they have so many All Blacks to actually manage. So if they can knock one out here and still steal a win where they wouldn't otherwise get too many minutes out of those players anyway, then I think they're likely to do it. They're also one of the only Kiwi sides not to complain about resting protocols and just being proactive and resting guys 80 minutes in the first week or so. Well, it's it's because they pretty much have almost this, the second set, best set of outside backs at, after their own first best set in the competition. You know what I mean? It's pretty easy to rest them when you've got all them. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Look, boys, how do you see this going? I mean, I I think the Crusaders are going to run away with it. Um, I'd give them at least a couple tries. I think it has a possibility of being close in the first half. Like, we could surprise us be a close encounter, but in the second, I think the Blues will just run out of steam. And as he said, the Crusaders will run, run away with it. The only thing that the Blues can pray for is that it absolutely pours with rain. Um, I know that's going to help the Crusaders driving more, but just that they can make it an absolute war of attrition in the trenches and don't unleash those Crusaders outside backs. Yeah, I think I'm not convinced convinced yet that um, the... 
Blues are that far below the Crusaders this year. They were good in pat- patches against the Chiefs, and they obviously dominated the Waratahs. So, uh, you know, you know, it could be closer than we think, especially if Perifetta can get his kicks. Yeah, I think um, it, we're probably going to see the Blues not want to play it in their own half. So expect to see lots of kicks. If Perifet is keeping it in play, then it's going to be danger town for them because of that those back threes for the Crusaders. So hopefully he's kicking, kicking well. Um, if not, goodbye for his chances at 10. Yep. So uh, let's kick on, shall we? Yep. So How good. For the next game, we go down to Melbourne to see the Sun Rebels play the Waratahs. That is, <laughs> we, we know that the worst team in the competition is the Sun something, so it's got to be the Sun Rebels, and uh, especially after they lost to the Wolves in round one. So new injuries for this one. Both Tamua and Hodge, they are saying, have to pass their concussion protocols. Some teams, that's a six-day turnaround. Some, it's a 10-day turnaround as a bare minimum as well. So there's a real chance that we won't see either of them. So you can imagine having Andrew Deegan at 10 and then having to push Tom English into outside centre or something like that are probably the likely changes for those guys. And it really does change the makeup of that back line. I think it's going to be good. Sorry, you go. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see Deegan have that crack at 10. I mean, for, for me, he's someone who can really shape that side. So I think it, it's going to be good to see him there. I was just saying there was an article about Reese Hodge saying he, he realises he needs to step up and uh, really lead the, the Melbourne Rebels. And uh, I think if I was Dave Vessels, I might not have, um, I might not have just uh, fired my, my, my medical staff. And, uh, you know, we'll, the protocol can be five days for this return to, to the play. You know what I mean? I need these boys on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Concussions are that serious at the moment, right? Uh, Luke Jones, I guess, is on the flip side, hopefully going to get back this week. He was suffering with a bit of a back injury. We haven't got that much detail. So it can actually um, be an issue uh, there that goes for a lot longer. But hopefully he's back in the team because they really need his defensive starch this week. Ned Hannigan from his concussion and Mac Mason from his groin. We, again, haven't got confirmation yet, but we know that they're both pretty close. So their possibilities, although I really don't know where Ted Flanagan fits in this squad of 23 at the moment. And Mac Mason, I assume he's either starting or he's not in the squad as well. So I, I think most likely those guys won't have a big impact on how this game plays out. Uh, In terms of the teams, I think whoever loses this one can basically say goodbye to their season. Uh, If the Rebels lose, I think Vessels will start having some real question marks over himself as the head coach. Maybe not enough to take him away from the team yet, but obviously Rob Penny has a little bit more breathing room being so early in his career with the Tars. I think it's interesting uh, with Vessels because before the season started, him coming out saying he wasn't sure if he, he wanted that job, he was thinking about leaving, he wasn't enjoying it. It doesn't seem like he's going to be loving this at the moment. So I think the, the pressure is going to be mounting even more so after that, those comments. Yeah, for sure. Probably the uh, one of the other ones is just the Damien Fitzpatrick versus Robbie Abel uh, argument in the hookers for the Waratahs. Fitzpatrick was a bit of a leader for the Waratahs last year, and this year he can't seem to get any game time from Abel. So I don't know if that's just a fitness thing for Fitzpatrick early or, or if it's a form thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I can't imagine it being a fitness thing. Um, Fitzpatrick, you would it seems to be the kind of guy who would train the house down. But um, there was again, there was articles about him and his wallaby aspirations that perhaps it wasn't too late with new coach Dave Rennie um, saying he'll pick pick on form this year. And so, um, 
yeah, it's 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 got to be Rob Penny just liking the bigger body that Robbie Abel provides. Um, and Robbie Abel yeah, hasn't think- had a lot of success. He's always been kind of behind people here at the Brumbies and Rebels, but he's had a really good Mitre 10 Cup season or two. Um, and so Rob Penny would have seen those. Look, I think he also he adds a lot of grunt to that that forward pack. Um, they've lost a fair bit of it with Kepu and things leaving as well. So he probably adds a bit more of a firmer body and a, a harder runner than you're going to get um, with Fitzpatrick as well. But just to round it out, I mean, Fitzpatrick was the, the third highest hooker last year, 40-point average over the season. And he played, I think it was 16 of – he played all the games for the Waratahs. So um, he, was solid, he definitely yeah. – yeah, he's got a proven track record. There's obviously okay. some doubt over Mark Nowing and Odoase as well. Um, but let's say he's probably the favourite winger in the squad at the moment. So Alex Newsom was pretty soft in defence last week. you got to think Jack Maddox is a chance to come in and actually get a start as the uh, the talent that he is as well. Nelson, you got some thoughts about that one? Yeah, look, uh, I, it'd be interesting to see how it played out. Newsom has been – he's shown a couple of things in round one, but I think he hasn't really earned that spot. Um, so it would be great to see Maddox. I think he's going to fill the wing spot um, if he's sort of in and out with sevens, which probably is looking less likely at the moment. Then I think we're, it, it's better to see him slot in on the wing. There, there's also a little bit of a, a few articles I read this week that there's potential that Beal could play at 10. I, don't, I still don't think it's going to happen. Um, with Harrison shifting to fullback as a, a potential role for him so he can learn that game a little bit more. Um, but then I, I don't see that happening when you've got Maddox there as well. So just something to, to keep an eye out for. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And I, I think the last one for me in this game that will be interesting is the back row makeup of the Waratahs. Obviously, they've come out and said that they're trying to work out what their best combination is so far. My expectation is that Dempsey gets a run at six and they give Holloway another run at eight and that Swinton actually comes off the bench this week so that the ball had a decent opportunity. Um, but uh, I, I think there's just something for fantasy managers to be aware of as well. And that's about it from this one for me. I actually saw it all the way today. Yeah, and? Uh, in a car park where there was Maccas, there was uh, a gym, and I didn't see him walking out of McDonald's, but he definitely wasn't walking out of the gym. <laughs> I'll just put that out there. Right. Anyway, so, yeah. um, I, I think Waratahs by 15. I think they're too good for the Rebels. Yeah, I can't see him losing either. I'll, I'll back you on that. Definitely by at least two tries. Look, this is one of those games, it's a bit of a litmus test. If things don't come together for them, I think they're going to be in trouble. I really expect that things will and that they're going to throw that ball around and and take this game by a fair bit. How good. All right. On to uh, a game that will have fantasy managers frothing um, of the round. We have the Wolves and the Chiefs uh, over in Prince Chichibu Stadium in Tokyo. So, um, oh, yeah, actually, it's back at Prince Chichibu Stadium. Their first game was actually in Fukuoka. Um, first time they've ever played there. But um, this round, they're back in their traditional home stadium uh, in Tokyo. So uh, new injuries, just we're waiting on Quinn Tapia. So we know um, that, uh, well, sorry, as part of the All Blacks rest weeks, uh, we know that the, a bunch of the All Blacks won't be going over to Tokyo for this game. So Aaron Cruden, Anton Lena-Brown and Sam Kane will not fly over for this game. Uh, and that suggests that, um, yeah, they're going to give some of their replacements a run. But um, you would think Quintapaya will slot in there with Alex Nankavel in the centres. Um, as long as he's not injured. <laughs> as long as he's not injured, yeah. I was really roundabout way of saying that. Sorry, I got lost in there. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so uh, with with no Sam Kane, does that mean Peter Gussowakulu just slots straight into eight? Um, and you'd have to think the way Mitch Carpick was playing well, um, he'd be in there for seven. And um, I mean, insert insert anyone else there in at six. Um, will we see Luke Jacobson back, Nelson, for this, or uh, is he still a couple of weeks out or end of the season? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? From reports, it sounds like he's still a little bit uh, away from it, but I don't think there's a definite confirmation that he won't be there or on the bench, but I'd assume it's another week or so. I'll I'll be very surprised if he was back. Yeah, they won't be taking him over for free sushi. He's only going if he's playing. So um, if he's in doubt at all, he won't be going flying over there. So, um, yes. Um, All right. So, yeah, it's basically for us, it's just about, look, we thought the Rebels were going to go over there and thump the Sunwolves uh, like they did last year, but um, I'm pretty certain the Chiefs will. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you guys land on this. I can't see the same thing happening. Um, Harry, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think they could play their C team a season by 30 points, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, but, yeah, so really, sorry, I mean, I've already touched on it. The interesting thing is really just around selection. So we've talked about centres, we've talked about back row. Um, at 10, so no Aaron Cruden. We suggest Caleb Trask is going to get another run at 10, so he started round one. Um, Tian Falcon could be good to go. He has been returning from a number of off-season injuries, but um, uh, we would think Caleb Trask will get the nod there. Um, and to replace... Uh, and surely Shooter Stevenson, he gets, uh, gets a run somewhere. Um, he, he played pretty well when he was there first week. So... Um, yeah, I mean, will the guys have put the notes in here probably Slater to get a run on starts? Uh, I don't think so. I think, look, Samasoni Takuaho, uh, I think they'll just keep running him out, even though he has to start all season now with no Nathan Harris. I think he'll just start all season. Um, what makes you say that, yeah. Harry? Well, Warren Gatland in his post-game interview was saying that they see these first four weeks as their opportunity to really rotate their squad to try and build their depth and really get everyone to have a good feel for the whole season. He also talked about resting a few players for the Sunwolves game, so it's clear that he's going to give a few opportunities. I don't see a better opportunity for Bradley Slater to actually get that run. So, I don't know, I thought if there was one week it was going to happen, it would be this week. Yeah, that's fair. Um... And I guess yeah, look, in, in rounding out, yeah, in, in rounding out the Chiefs, um, the only other thing is, yeah, will we see any of the smoky outside backs? I think uh, we've the latest we've read on Etienne and Anisatoro is it looks like he probably won't be seen. Um, there was an interview where look, his goal really is the Olympics, um, and I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you want to take part in that? So he will he will be supporting the Chiefs this year. He said so. I don't think unless unless everyone gets injured, uh, he he won't be coming back. So. Um, and I don't. And as much as we'd love to see it, I don't suspect Keeney Naholo will be thrown into the uh, into the fire yet either. I think he might be a year away from that. So, um, all right. So that leaves us to talk about the the Wolves, the Moon Dogs. Um, I think uh, of note from round one, Garth April was pretty fantastic. So, um, yeah, are we seeing another Hayden Parker? Um, his kicking was great. Uh, it was a new and improved Garth April. So, um, yeah, what do we? How do, do we do? We think that was a one off, or do you think it will continue? Oh, look, I think he showed actually a fair bit of class and, and that style that they're playing, I think it, it would suit a 10 very well. The players are, are running around and giving them options. So I think it'll be good. I, I don't see him necessarily being as dominant. Um, his issue is probably going to come when he's got a lot tougher bodies running directly at him. I think that's that's where his difficulties are going to be in, in, in defence rather than actually putting guys into to gaps if they're, they're available. 
Yeah, very good. And um, and look, the, the other two players I'll touch on in the Sunwolves were just Michael Stolberg. He uh, played the full 80, and he basically took all of their lineouts. So he took, I think it was yeah. nine ten lineouts. Um, he's clearly there for a role, and I suspect it'll be the same thing. So um, he'll be the go-to guy for that and just for getting, getting through some work. Um, so he could be a good shout. And then lastly, um, is it Kazuke Moria, the 13 uh, co-captain? Yeah. He, you know, I, we're, we want it, we're excited to see... Uh, more of him because he was fantastic in round one. So, um, you know, is he, uh, is he the real deal? He he really looked at goods in round one. So, I mean, all you need to know on this is pick up every Chief you can to fill your fantasy team. Um, <laughs> what are we thinking? Chiefs by 50? Is it a, is this a summer blowout? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, yeah. look, I mean, it's, it can't be close. Um, there's, they didn't, didn't get tested at all in defence. So I think the, the Chiefs are really going to tear them apart. Yeah, look, technically, I guess the Sunwolves have now doubled their time together as a team this year, so you never know what they could be. Very true. Uh, all right, that'll do us for that one. Um, Nels, do you want to take us to the Hurricanes and the Sharks? What's the yeah, in terms of um, injuries, we're a bit unsure with what's happening with Scott Scrafton, so keep an eye on our uh, Twitter and our casual reward throughout the week, and we'll keep you updated. Um, returning, hopefully we're going to see Sibyl Nkosi uh, returning from what we think was a, just simply a niggle. Um, Dane Coles and potentially James Marshall. It'll be interesting to see if we see them back in the starting lineup. Uh, we're, I think I'm leaning towards at least uh, Jackson Garden Bashup having another chance at 10. Um, maybe it was a little bit because they actually got a win with him there. Maybe it's because he did have a little bit better control of the game. Um, but he just he he wasn't he wasn't great if we're honest as well. But I mean he's had a few brilliant years in the the Milo Ten Cup. Um, there's a chance we see them uh, give James Marshall uh, a shot, um, but he didn't go on tour uh, last week, so it's going to be interesting to see. Dane Coles, hopefully we get to see him have his first run of the season, which means we're probably going to see Riccatelli go into the bench. Mind you, Asafa Mua, he looked pretty solid, and he is an exciting man to bring off the bench. But, I mean, realistically, Riccatelli's had that job behind Coles in the past. Azaka, uh, Isaiah Walker, Leah Weary, I almost did a crags there. Sorry, guys. Um, he has to earn himself uh, another sport, but a spot. But has he done enough? Like, he was pretty brilliant. He was exciting. We wanted to see him have a bit of a crack. Um, off the back of last week, surely we, we get to see him have some good minutes. And I think that partnership with Blackwell is quite solid as well. Um, can Vea Fafida get a start at six? He's a great player for your fantasy side. Um, and he started with the All Blacks at six. Um, so, I mean, he gives him a bit of go forward. He gives him a bit of grunt. He's a solid yeah. player for him there, which I think is going to be important against uh, South African side. Um, also, Kagi, you would like to see that, yeah? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I put that in a, a bit of my wishful thinking. Um, look, he, I mean, he hasn't been that brilliant, but I just like that um, he's got a great running game and presents some offloads. Oh. Like, he's kind of just that extra attacking threat that I just don't see them having with uh, Karifi and um, and Princep. Like, yes, Gareth Evans is a good run of the ball, but he's really the only carrier they've got in that, in that back row. Him and Isaiah Walker-Leawery, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's got a good work rate as well, something that's always good to see in uh, fantasy footy. Um, yeah, other things from it. Jordy Barrett, he, uh, he's had 58, 58 minutes in both games, um, which leaves him roughly 60. Is that right? 
No, he's had 58 minutes both in game one and two, so he has 60 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I said the first time. He said no. Uh, TJ Perinara had 50 minutes and then 71 minutes, leaving him 59 minutes. Leo Marpe's had 80 and 80. Um, so we're basically saying he's going to have a rest week this week, um, which hopefully yeah. means we see Asso come in. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> It's a bit of a rumour at the moment that he's on the All Black Rest Week, La Marpe, despite not going to the World Cup. So we actually yeah. don't know if that's definitely the case, but definitely uh, beware as a manager. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we read it somewhere early on, did we? Or there's there's a bit of talk about it. But, look, I mean, it, it's going to be great for anyone that needs to pick up uh, someone in the, the mould of Arso, who I think if he gets some more minutes, he could find his way back into that starting side because he's just so dynamic and starting. Yes, and, and Billy Proctor's been pretty average as well. Yeah, he really has. Uh, I mean, they seem to – it's only two weeks, but they per- persisted with him again, and he, he didn't really offer them too much again last weekend. Um, Alex Fidel, the guy that we would love to see more minutes, um, he looked good when he came on. He's the type of player that you want for the last 30 in Super Rugby, um, and he's fantasy gold. Every minute he gets, he is valuable. Um, I'd just love to see him more. I'd happily pick him up on my side, even if he's only getting 30 minutes or so. He's not a bad guy to have on the bench if he gets the occasional start. Um, regarding the Sharks, look, I mean, they're probably not going to change much. Uh, Nkosi is probably going to be the only thing to come back in for Madosh Tumbwe. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting game to see how these two shape up. I expect to see high line speed from the Sharks. Um, they're just going to want to not play it in their own half, similar to last weekend. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they take these canes on. Do you boys have anything to add? Yeah, no, it was uh, – I mean, the Sharks didn't change anything from round one, like one to two. It was literally just in cosy with that minor niggle. So I think they've just yeah. really set in their game plan, really confident in their team and their structures. And, um, yeah, I think we were all surprised by how well they did last week in um, Dunedin. And uh, I expect more of the same. So – um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if the Hurricanes can reproduce last last week's performance against the um, Haguaris. What do you guys? How do you guys guys see this playing out? Um, <laughs> I was waiting for Harry to jump in, but uh, yeah, it's a hard one. I don't know. Uh, look, I, I'll still say I think the Hurricanes will win, but that's just because I haven't, I haven't. I'm still not completely sold. I'm, I'm always back to Kiwis when in doubt, you know me, but. Um, uh, yeah, a lot will depend if Lamarpe plays or not, basically, for mine. Yeah, look, I think Assay could fill a similar role, but I think the Canes in uh, New Zealand, I think that's what's going to get him over the line. But I think it's going to be very tight and the Sharks are going to have their chances. So if they take him, I think they could get a win here. Yeah, and uh, I, the one thing I would say is the Sharks do notoriously well in New Zealand at the moment as well. Didn't they tie with the Crusaders last year when they came down as well? So... I think they're definitely not a team that is too spooked by being down here anymore. Um, I guess for for the laugh of it, I might go against you and just say Sharks to steal it by two points. <clears throat> now you yeah. say that, I do remember they did tour really well. Yeah, but um, look, I'll stick with my first my first thoughts. <clears throat> yeah, I won't, I won't sit on the fence. I'll have to say a Kiwi. <laughs> go either way, but I'll, I'll lean towards the cans at home. All right, Harry, do you want to take us on to the next one? Yes, would love to. Uh, so next one is Brumbies versus the Highlanders in Canberra. 
So we've obviously got some concussion worries for the Brumbies around Scott Seo in the front row. Obviously, the uh, they've got more than enough backup in the front row there. Tommy Cusack and Pete Samu as well, both in doubt as well. So possible that we don't see any of them. Um, in the front row, you've got James Slipper, who's a fantasy gold mine if he gets a start, even if it's a one-week pickup. I reckon he's probably free in a lot of leagues. Whereas in the back row, you've got McCaffrey, who started for their second team last week. Obviously, still coming back into fitness from um, Japan. Will Miller, who can slot into seven, and Jerome Brown around as well. Yeah, look, Jerome Brown actually got injured in the Brumbies runners match. Uh, I don't know how serious it was, but he didn't play out that whole match. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, there's not much news about it, I think, but it'll be interesting to see if we do see him on that bench. Yep, for sure. Um, on the Brumbies at the moment, I just can't see Tony Pooley getting game time. you got Tom Wright and Solomon Akata just tearing it up. Uh, Tony Pooley was very good last year. I think we said the same thing last weekend in the preseason, but these guys are just playing way too well at the moment. So disappointing for him. I think he'd, he would have expected that he was the first choice winger this year, but it's just not happening for him. They've also likely got Darcy Swain coming back into that row. Caden Neville is probably not really at the same level despite being a lot more senior. So they said he had a shoulder niggle last week. I would say that he's going to come straight back in as well. So good news for their set piece there. Um, the Brumbies' defence is just so strong. And having watched the Highlanders last week, I just don't know that they can turn it around so much. Probably the thing that might give them some chance in my eyes is that Tay Walden is apparently expected to be fit again. So obviously that means that you move New Zealand's third best fly half and that makes him quality, obviously the third best fly half in the world by those standards. Back to 10 (laughs) with Josh Josh Juani and Tay Walden linking back up with Rob Thompson in the centres. So I think that will really shore up their attack a lot more. Um, And then from there, I guess you're just looking back out to the outside backs. So, I mean, Tima Fingeranuku was a little bit disappointed last week. Um, C.O. Tomkinson, surely, surely, if he's fit, needs to be around and a decent chance to get a run as well. And then you still got Tavita Nabura. We don't know if he's injured, but he was he was really, really good quality for the games that he had last year. If he doesn't fly kick someone in the head, he's a high-quality <laughs> player. Um, awesome. I think it would be great. I think this is a game that it's probably going to be good to see Tompkinson come in if Walden isn't there starting because he just adds so much grunt to that defensive line. The Brumbies have just got three battering rams between Simone, ATK, and um, uh, Qatar. So they're probably going to want to have a solid defensive side. So, I mean, to me, that means Tompkinson's got to be the man, but uh, they do have a lot of options there. Yeah, it's, it's big trouble if they're running Hunt. And Yuani with those three running down those channels. It's oh, uh, very, very dangerous. Yeah. <sighs> Look, two, two other things for me to round this one out. The Brumbies set piece is one of the top in the competition up there with the Stormers. I think that they're just going to bully the Highlanders in that area. It's just not their year for that kind of kind of play at the moment. And I think that will be very, very telling on how this one's going to play out. And my last and most important point is can you please put Shannon Frizzell on the field from the start of the game? He's your best forward. Uh, 100%. He is just so exciting. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I mean, I think we can all agree on Shannon Brazil. I think we all froth on him. But I was just going to say, in terms of that set pace, obviously, yeah, the Brumbies are the best at it. But the Highlanders were getting um, absolutely beaten around the park by the uh, the Sharks last week. They had to resort to – they could only do four-man lineouts because otherwise they, they literally couldn't get the ball and the Sharks would just jump in both both pods and, um, and they were stealing them. So um, the Brumbies' absolute strength is, yeah, both the scrum and lineouts. So – absolutely will dismantle them there. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, nice. Uh, do we Excellent. All right. see Tuhu again at uh, number eight because he had such a good game last week? Sure. I do. I do think I, I do think so. Look, he was great. He was um, extremely athletic uh, and just made some good carries. Some good carries, got through some hard yakka. So um, kind of in the Liam Squire-esque mould, um, and that's just what they need. And uh, yeah. look... You never go against Sumo Stevenson because he's the man that knows everything about New Zealand rugby and he thought Tu'u would be their starting eight. Absolutely. Yeah, That's it. And, and it's all right <laughs> because uh, my, my favourite guy, ben, uh, Tiriki Ben Nicholas, he came on um, at wing anyway. So uh, yes, even though he's so played weird. number eight his whole career, um, he's, he's going to be a winger. So, All right. Um, let's move <laughs> on to the Lions and Stormers. Is this the last? No, not the last fixture. Go on, I'm jumping the gun. Um, got one more after this. Uh Lions and Stormers, um, two very different teams, uh, and hopefully one going to make an ex- <laughs> one good, and uh, but hopefully it'll make for some exciting footy. Um, so yeah, I know. Look, I'll start with new injuries. Yako Kutsi, as we talked about, the head knock. Job John Dobson was again saying uh, head knock, and we'll have to see how he goes with the return to play from concussion protocol um, and returning. So. For the Lions, Ross Cronier coming back from an ankle, surely he just slots straight back into starting. Um, Johannes Jonker coming back from who knows what, but for the Lions, and I think he's a front rower. Not sure if anyone else knows who he is or what he is, but... Yeah, look, I, I think he was meant to be fit last week as well. I left him on the casualty ward because he wasn't in the squad, but let's be honest, he probably just isn't in the mix for a start. Yeah, and also no one cares about him because he doesn't score fantasy points. So, um, And lastly, a player... <laughs> that we do care about, particularly Harry, and who uh, may score very good fantasy points, J.D. Schickerling, someone that you're hanging out for. Um, it's been talked as the next big lock in South Africa. Um, what's the latest on him, Harry? Uh, yeah, look, I think I think he's assumed fit last week. They said that he would be good for this one after originally saying he was 50-50 for round one. But at the same time, who knows, maybe he just comes off the bench. They do have a pretty comfortable lock pairing as well. So I'm hoping they just push him straight through, but... Wouldn't surprise me if he comes back by the bench. Very good. All right, now, so I was alluding to it. Um, yeah, last week it was the Stormers and Bulls. That was just a clash of the big up-front forward packs. Um, you know, very kind of slow territory set piece based game. This game, hopefully we get to see the Stormers express themselves. The Lions express themselves and play a expansive game week in, week out. So um, hopefully this really frees up the, the Stormers. I mean, look, the Stormers will definitely want to, uh, I guess... Um, press their you know, set-piece prowess on the line. So absolutely take them down to the scrum and uh, line-outs. But, um, but hopefully, look, they use the opportunity to, to spread the ball a bit. And um, we saw one lightning try from Sonatla last week. But uh, p- apart from that, that one touch, we haven't really seen Peterson and Sonatla get involved much. So hopefully the ball goes through the hands and, um, and we see them get a bit involved. Um, I think, look, to start with, there's two players in the centres that we're, we are banking on playing this week, one from each team that we're extremely excited about. So, Nelson, I'll start with you. Who are you excited to see? 
Oh, mate, I am excited to see Vandasili Similani. Uh, it's sort of baffled everyone over the first two weeks because we haven't seen him there, even though by all reports he was getting basically ready for last week. Uh, the new report from Ivan Van Ruin is that he is busy working to take his chance when he when he gets it. Um, Brendan Nell, he's made a report that says Similani is not injured. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of speculation that maybe he didn't do the fitness work that he needed in the Lions preseason. Um, so it, it's hard that they really, the Lions do not like to communicate with their fans or with anyone else. So it's hard to know, but surely this man gets a crack, um, because he's desperately needed. Very good. And I'll throw to Harry for the other young center. We're excited to see. Yep, and on the flip side, Dobson telling all at all points, Rickus Pretorius is going to get a start this week. Apparently their plan was always that Jamie Roberts started and played big minutes in their first two games. Just to mentor Rickus a little bit through this, but they expect this game to be a lot more open. They're wanting to run the game, he's saying. So then that means that Rickus should start and light it up. Should be very good. Hopefully he can... uh sound like the magic spell that is his name and um yeah okay, i've got nothing sorry that was i was really i thought i'd pull something out of the bag there but nothing came to me nothing came quick um all right moving on the, the battle of 10 so um young damien Vilemsi, this surely is his type of game unfortunately he had one he'd probably rather forget last week but this you know i, I think we're all hoping he does despite we want wanting the ball to get outside and get wide i think we're also hoping that he just hogs the ball a bit and goes for some runs you know um He's he's absolutely best with a bit of space and ball in hand. So see him and um and Elton Yachi. So it's young young ball up against old dog. Um and Yachi's look, he actually had a really good game last week. Uh, I think it was thirty nine fantasy points. But just a very composed performance and really brought the Lions line up, particularly in that second half. So he attacked the line hard. Um some of some of better play from Elton Yachi. So be good to see that clash. Uh in terms of the forward packs. Good old Dobson, <laughs> he reveals he spills all. So um, he's got big wraps on Wano Augustus. So um, I guess, you know, why would they rush Kutsia back when they've got Augustus fit and ready to go? Uh, we, I think we're, it sounds like we're pretty likely to see Augustus starting at, at, at eight. Um, I mean, there's also Cobus Visa has been coming back. So do we see him kind of get injected in at six now? Uh, young Johan de Toy back to the bench. Uh, or do they, you know, do they rest Peter Steph to toy for this one? Um, I don't know how we see it playing out. They've got a lot of back rowers, but um, what do you guys think? Yeah, look, I think one thing, one person we've left out, left out uh, after that Reds win, Ben Ruin said that uh, Alberts was coming through and they were going to just see how he, he shaped up after Monday and Tuesday's training before they decided if he was available for this weekend. So he's definitely going to be a name that you've got to consider that could, could be thrown in there. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big, I've always been a big fan of Wil, Wilhelm Alberts, just the big hitter. But um, but no, back to that Stormers back row. What do we think on them? Yeah, look, I I would think with the wraps on Augustus, Juano Augustus, he'll go back to eight. Cobus Visa at open side and PSDT at blind side. Yep, very good. All right, and look, we we mentioned it in the review. Stormers still yet to concede a point. Um, is this is this the first game they do? But conversely, uh, the Lions, well, they just don't do defence. So we know they'll be conceding a lot of points. It's just how many. Um, I don't know. I think, look, I see the Stormers definitely taking this out. Um, and I'm going to say, yeah, Stormers by around 10, 10 or 12. 
Um, how do you guys feel about it? Yeah, I'm going to go back to my 2019 tactic and say the Stormers are the better team. So Lions take it yeah. out by five. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, I think I expect that we're going to see Vandasili Similani, Tyrone Green just lighting it up. Um, and the Stormers, I don't think we'll be able to shut that down that well. Um, even though, I mean, they've played like nice, boring footy, I think the Lions should be able to open them up a little bit. So I think the Lions are going to sneak through this, with this one. Yeah, look, I think we could definitely all agree, though, as far as South African derbies go, we're relatively excited to this one because it should be some expansive play. Um, and, yeah, there's definitely some exciting young players there. Yeah, Tyrone Green, absolutely, going from strength to strength. So, um, yeah, that'll that'll do us for, for that game. Uh, Nels, why don't you round us out with the last picture of the round, the Haguares and the Reds. <clears throat> Something that's been good to see as being this Sunday footy at a reasonable time for us in Australia. This is the Jags versus the Reds. And look, I, I don't think this is going to be a game that disappoints. Uh, you've pretty much, in terms of there's no real new injuries, so we should be seeing relatively full-strength sides. Um, we might see um, Malia return from his concussion, but that would more than likely be on the bench with Geronimo de la Fuente. Uh, taking down that 12 spot. Bautista Dalgi as well um, from his groin overload, which might mean, I suppose, we don't get to see him have huge minutes. Um, just, what do you know about that, Larry? <laughs> what do you know about that, Larry? Uh, not slaying, not much groin, for that, but yeah. Groin overload, yeah. No. <laughs> groin overload always worries me a lot, to be honest, because it makes me think of any of the stuff up around the actual top of your hip joint around the front of your pelvis, and they can be really long-term chronic issues. Having said that, obviously, groin? yeah, uh, Damien McKenzie, <laughs> as opposed to the rest of the groin muscles, I guess, which go all the way down the inside of your leg is what I was referring to. Uh, Damien McKenzie on the flip side only missed one week, so hopefully he's just fresh, especially considering he's in my fantasy team. Yeah, and Harry Hawkins, he's also he's got a hand fracture. Um, depends a bit on what hand that what what bone that is in the hand. But do we know roughly how long is this four weeks or what do we think, Harry? Well, so he he was injured a few weeks ago. Oh, sorry, this, this yeah, they yeah. took him on this two week tour for South Africa. So obviously they had a plan on playing him in one of the two games, and it wasn't the last week. So they wouldn't have taken him on tour if they didn't think he was a chance to play. Makes sense. There's some value in having you here. Um, so on to the game. Look, the, the Jags are going to be pretty teed off, I think, after that last game, losing at home. Uh, it's become a bit of a fortress for them. Uh, so I think they're not going to want to lose two in a row on, on the trot at home. So they're going to be firing and ready to go, and there's going to be a lot of emotion and, and passion in this game, I'd say. Uh, the Reds, I think they knew that they lost an opportunity to get a win over a pretty solid side last week. So I think they're going to be firing as well and, and they'll have a bit of confidence in themselves. Um, look, Jags, two of, the la- two of their seven tries have been from Rolling Moors and the Reds have been pretty solid in, in the forward pack. So it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, to shut this down or how that's going to shape up. I think the most interesting part of this game for me is going to be what that 10-12, maybe 10-12-15 combination is going to be for the Reds. Do we see the defensive sort of setup uh, with Jock at 10 and Stewart at 12, mainly with Stewart's defense coming in? Or do we see the more offensive setup, uh, offensive setup with Lucas at 10 and Jock back to 12, which I think is where we should be seeing him anyway. Realistically, I think the thing I would like to see the most is Hegarty, 
as a good controlling figure of the game to slip back into that 10 jersey somewhere he was a fair bit last year and he had filled in a little bit for the Tars in previous years. We have Lucas shifting to that 15 jersey where he's still learning the ropes of Super Rugby. He can inject himself when he needs to. I think realistically in terms of attack, that's probably going to be the strongest thing they can do. How do you think these, these combinations are going to shape up this week, boys? Personally, I think that they ran round one was their, their best side. I could see them continuing to experiment a little bit, but at some point they've got to pick and stick, and they've done two years of experimenting. So my my call is that we're going to go back to the one, round one side. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I, that's what we, we thought. Um, I was just going to say, I have to agree. Like, I think they just need Zachy Lucas on the field. Um, whether you know whether or not he's learning, he's just absolutely electric. He just creates stuff, um, and they they really need that spark. Like James O'Connor's great yeah. for this kind of leadership role, and he's really solid defensively. Like James O'Connor just is really seeing things and calling them out. But Zachy Lucas is just absolutely electric. He's he's creating something from nothing, and that's what you want. Yeah, I, I agree. He's the exciting factor there. I, I look in my eyes. I see him as a fifteen. Um, we all called it early in the year. You know, I, I suppose I, I called it when we were talking to Tiranui about it as well that we'd, we'd see him at that ten jersey. Um, and I, I do think they'll persist with it for a little bit longer. But um, I, I still would just love to see him attacking at fifteen. Hopefully, we see Patea sort of unleash a little bit in this game as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. He's just been mainly defensive. Is that because people know how he's playing or, or what do we think? Um, but, yeah, they definitely need to settle on a, a combo with their playmakers and, and maybe that'll bring him into that game a little bit better. Um, do you have anything else to add with, with that, boys? How do you think this uh, – any, any changes in the backs for the Jags? Uh, no, I think it'll be what we, we think it will be. Um, I think – I think this game will just be a disciplined game, really. Um, you know, like both these teams are prone to giving away quite a few penalties. Um, and I think, yeah, they're going to try a lot of rolling malls and they're both going to try a lot of scrums. I think, you know, the Haguari as well, this scrum hasn't been great. It's kind of still a pride thing from them. They still love their scrums. So uh, I think, you know, we could see, we're going to see a team run into like repeat infringements again. And, you know, they could be a card and that could be the deciding factor, kind of like what happened to the Reds last week. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully he's not decided on something like that again. But, I mean, you definitely could see it from from both of these sides. Um, I think there's been a very recent injury update. Is that correct, Harry? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not for this game. Um, But just doing my research, my due diligence to make sure I get the latest news up on the pod, Kenny Naholo is fit and healthy. Uh, he played in the curtain raiser for the Chiefs Crusaders last week, and there's some talk that he might get a run. Him and Sam McNichol will probably be vying for some game time against the Sunwolves this week. So we have had a few people hitting us up about that one and can confirm he's a chance to score a squillion points this week against the Wolves. And look, no offence to Sam McNichol, but yeah, is, he the least, is he the least exciting player in Super Rugby, mate? Like Compared to the rest of those Chiefs outside backs, mate, just you know, take a seat. No, 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 so. idea. no idea, mate. I've never seen him play. He's been concussed for three <laughs> years or something. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think he, he was actually not a bad player when he had his chances, which seems like a long time ago. Half forget that he's even there. <laughs> All okay, right, very good. Does that that rounds yeah, out the Jags now? Take it, eh? Yeah, I think that rounds us out. I think uh, the Jags are going to take that win. Oh, uh, very good. Okay, you. Th- yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all on Jags? Okay. Jags to win. Excellent. 
Um, very good. Well, that now takes us, uh, for concluding our main course, it takes us to... What you gonna, what you gonna do with that dessert? Do what, do what, do that, do that, do that. And our dessert tonight is brought to you by 15 Gelato once again, um, the healthy protein-packed gelato. Uh, you can get after it at 15, spelt F-I-F-T-E-I-N.com.au. And, um, yeah, if you haven't if you haven't done yourself a favour and got some yet, um, just take a long, hard look at yourself. Just get, get the peanut butter flavour and you'll be hooked. Yeah, if you're, good, um, if you're good at English, you'll figure out that uh, 15, that spelling is very similar to protein. Is that the pun we're, we're going for there, boys? It is. It is. 15 um, grams of protein. Pretty solid stuff. And, Harry, look, I know you're in Melbourne, you're in Melbourne, Harry, but um, uh, and I don't believe you're eating uh, any 15 gelato, but I still am not eating any tonight, uh, Nelson, you either. We're going to have to, again, follow up with our sponsor. Um, but... Uh, you know? Yeah, I've um, been I've been smashing just gelato machine and whatever else I can, putting weight on. So <laughs> I'm very unhappy with 15 gelato this week. <laughs> very good. And uh, and that said, we're still looking for sponsors for our entree and main course. Um, and I mean, look, to be fair, we're still looking for other gelato sponsors. We're in the market now. Um, so um, yeah, get after us. Um, support the pod. All right. So anyway, on to our dessert. Uh, rookie watch. Um, who is worth like who's who's worth the investment in twenty twenty? Um, yeah, let's just I guess go through a couple of players. We're not we're not touching on every rookies, just the ones that have done well in two weeks, the ones who've kind of proven that they're living up to the hype and that we see them um, making a big impact in twenty twenty and beyond. So um, we can start with uh, the one and the only Nelson, your favorite. You love saying it. I know I've robbed it. I've ruined it twice tonight already. So I'll let you just roll it off the tongue. You don't want to have a crack, mate. No, nah, mate, I'm good. I'll let you let you uh, sink, sink. Mark Nwangani, Mark Nwangani Dwasi, mate. Uh, look, from his two showings, it's it's clear that he is the real deal. Um, I've got plenty of mates that barely watch a Super Rugby match, and they now know this guy's name. Not as bad as you, mate. They're actually starting to pronounce it pretty correctly. As soon as they see the name, it's not that hard. But, look, he is a world-class finisher, and he's done it a few times in these two games. He's one of those sort of league-style finishers in the corner. He can throw himself over a defender. He's not worried by it. Mind you, that might change after he was snapped in half by landing on his his head. Uh, Do you see anything different to that, Harry? I just think he needs to learn to man up in defence a little bit. That's probably his big yeah. weakness at this stage. Yeah, but look, I, I agree. He doesn't, he, he doesn't take that many fantasy points, does it? Yeah, I was going to say. He, he, has, uh, he hasn't had the easiest of assignments as well. I mean, his first game was the Crusaders. He got broken in half during that second game of the Blues where the Waratahs did like to throw that ball around, but probably didn't get him in the best of positions uh, regularly. Uh, the the second guy that I'm going to touch on was Tyrone Green. Uh, as I said, we were alluding to him as being a, a real star early on in the year, but he he's locked down that spot for me. I mean, he's just got to be on the field. He, he's too dynamic. He's too exciting. Um, he's another one of those guys that – just all his measurements around that field. He's dynamic. He's quick. He's change of direction. He's a smart footballer. He gets in the right positions. Uh, he is someone that you'd love to have in your fantasy team. How do you see this, Craig's? Yeah, um, I mean, I'd love to see him have a run at fullback. I, I know we won't, 
Um, but I just think he, he's, he can only get better at fullback. Like, don't get me wrong, he's already an amazing winger. But imagine giving him some some of those kick returns, you know, giving him some space to make some of these, um, you know, give, just giving him more opportunities to identify space and pick and choose where he wants to inject. Um, I was saying to Harry earlier, though, um, it is interesting. I think he, he's certainly packed on a lot of size this year. Uh, I don't know how much it's affect his, affected his agility, but... I don't think he's, he has he still has quite the same agility, the change of direction that Damien McKenzie has, and that, that he did have like last year or the year before. I, I, obviously, he's had two very good rounds, but I just think it is worth noting. Um, yeah, I think that maybe he's put on a little bit too much size, if that's possible in rugby. I don't know. But what yeah, do you guys think? I think he's uh, he's probably gone from eighty kilos to eighty three or eighty four kilos. <laughs> you'd, you'd hope you'd hope that uh, it's not going to slow him up too much. Maybe it's just. He's still finding his way a little bit, um, and uh, I think we'll see more of it as the time moves on. Yeah, maybe we, we need to get him onto the 15 gelato, you know, just... just um... <laughs> That's it. Uh, he'll, he may never get it if, he, if he's uh, sponsored, though. All right, yeah. I've, got, I've got two for you. The first one is, I'm now going to call him my boy, Jonah Narecki who I picked up in off the free agents last week, who has some rock-solid footwork. Really excited to see more of him. I think he's a good chance to get a lot of game time this year, even though he's a rookie. My only worry is if the Highlanders keep performing like they did last week. I think if the Highlanders' game gets a little bit stronger, he could be absolutely anything. And it looks like he might be their top choice on the wing at the moment, at least for the first part of the season. Um... The only other one I want to put my hand up and name is Solomoni Kata, who I know we talked a little bit about the preseason. We all knew he had a lot of potential. Uh, I think the big doubt was always going to be if he actually gets game time, but he's clearly been preferred to Tony Pulu. And as Nelson said during the uh, review entree, you know, he, he really is a big part of their go forward and they really lean on him very heavily. So there's a good chance that he just keeps on getting game time. Exactly. There's a big part of their game plan based around him. You know, you can quite clearly see, particularly off set piece, off line outs and things, they, they send him in there as first receiver and that's the one-two punch type of play they like to run. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, I thought early on that we, we'd probably get to see him shift slowly into 12 and, and, and Pulu take out that wing spot. But look, Simone's just offering so much as well. He's really come into his own there. Um, and, and they're still using Kata as that battering ram. So I think this is working out perfectly for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's what it is for the bulk of the year. Very good. All right. Well, I'll get on to, um, I think we're just, we're picking and choosing. So I'm not going to let you guys get talk about the one I wanted to. I'm going to talk about Harry Wilson. Um, and just, I mean, in, in my first week of fantasy rugby, I was playing uh, new, new, new Bung, who had Harry Wilson in his team. And I was just so excited to see him play that I didn't even care that he was absolutely crushing it against me. He is, uh, and, that's, and that's rare. Let's be honest, that's rare. So no, he was... Um, it's just so good for so young. Like uh, we were saying, Harry and I were talking earlier about, let's just chuck him in the Wallabies now. Like if he's not going on spring tour this year, um, yes, we have Izzy Nicerani, but um, man, he, you know, he's, he's been, it was his debut. He's two games in. He's got an average of almost, I don't know, I think it's almost 50 points so far. And he's just, he gets through a lot of work. He's making lots of tackles, lots of carries, beating lots of defenders. He's made a line break in both games. Like he is a difference maker. Um and, yeah, he's probably not even fully grown into his body yet. 
I am so pumped for Harry Wilson. So I'm on that train. And uh, Sarah Uru, he's, uh, he's, he's on the bench at best. You know, Harry Wilson's locked down a starting number eight jersey all year for mine. Yeah, I think the success of him, like, for me, it makes me wonder if, if we're going to see a chance of William Harris. Um, there's just a few questions, obviously, over that back row for the Tars. I'd, I'd like to see him have a crack off the bench if Holloway's struggling to, to come into some form. Um, it, it will be interesting to see if we have him, see him have a crack. But, I mean, he's equally been as good at under-20s level. So, yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Who don't know who Will Harris is. Will Harris is uh, the under 20s number eight who held Harry Wilson out of the number eight jersey. So Harry Wilson went to six, and Will Harris was playing eight. So um, I, that might that might just be a really good example of again how New South Wales uh, rugby differs to Queensland. Uh, Brad Thorne electing to put young talent straight in, and uh, New South Wales rugby uh, whilst at least they've signed Will Harris um, this year, um, but probably happy to just sit and wait till he's old enough apparently. Um, or signs uh, overseas somewhere, you know, that's standard New South Wales policy. He's also bigger than Will Harris, which is great. Uh, Harry Wilson, sorry, which is great. He's a big boy. Excellent. All right, I'll talk about another player, um, even though uh, it pains me. Um, Hoskins, a 2-2. Um, I said <laughs> earlier in the in the review, I had my Akira Iwani coloured glasses on. I still do. I always will, let's be fair. But uh, no, credit where credit's due. Hoskins, fantastic game last week. And... Um, yeah, I look. I was watch. I watched the Tars Blues game very late in the evening slash morning, and I had forgot. I think maybe I just put out of my mind that that grubber kick, um, uh, which was brilliant, and that other try assist. Uh, so I, all I remembered was him getting yellow card and how good that, how good and bad that was for me with Akira uh, coming off the bench. But um, no, look, he, he's brilliant, Hoskins, young talent, um, and just basically just showing the level of enthusiasm and work rate that the Blues really need from their number eight. Um, so it's no, it's, you know, and it's not like, obviously, Akira Ioane is extremely gifted, um, physically gifted and talented, but um, Hoskins is not, not lacking in that front at all. Um, so I think that the way that battle is going to play out will be really interesting and the competition can be nothing, hopefully nothing but good for both of them. So um, what do you guys think of Hoskins? <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, I think he's right now he's proving himself and he, he's got to be getting those bigger minutes. Um, he's, he's just he's been an exciting player and he's everything that at the moment you'd want from Akira. And Akira's disinterest when he's coming on the back of the game surely won't shift him into a starting role very soon unless he can sort of pick up that energy. Yeah, I'm, I'm still pretty worried about Akira Ioane at the moment. Obviously, he had his mental health issues in the off-season when he wasn't selected by the All Blacks. He's now obviously slid down the rankings a little bit more at the Blues as well. Hopefully, he can get himself into a good headspace because we all know yeah. the player he can be. At his best, Hoskins the 2-2 is going to struggle to ever get any game time despite how good he's playing. So, yeah, hopefully, they can, uh, they can both be firing and the Blues have some really hard decisions to make. Yeah, that'd be good to see. Um, look, I mean, maybe I'll shift over to someone very similar to uh, Sotutu, and that is Makaeli Tu'u. Um, he's only had that one crack, but I mean, boy, did he did he excite when he was on that paddock? I mean, he got 80 minutes to be fair, 59 points. Uh, he he ran a lot of meters. He bumped tackles left, right, and center. He split that line, looked for some offloads. Uh, he does have the competition of Turkey Ben Nicholas. 
Um, but I mean, Sereki Ben Nicholas was on the bench last week and got put on wing, and they kept Tuu on for 80 minutes. So, I mean, I don't think we're going to see that regularly, but clearly Tuu is is the preferred man there, and he could not do anything wrong over the weekend. Every touch turned to gold. Yeah. Just on that, um, was there any reason they took off Jonah Nareki? Like, like, I didn't read anything or see anything, but I was just thinking, why would they have taken off Nareki? Um, Oh, look, I mean, I I think it's his... First Super Rugby game, um, they, they probably wanted to sort of ease him into it. He, he had a fair few run meters. He had a fair few uh, involvements in that game. But it, it looked like it probably was um, preempted. You know, like they had two, uh, they had uh, Ben Nicholas on the bench there, but they had him as number 23. So I feel like it had to have been an, a, a planned option. Maybe they had a fail save if they needed to put him into the back row. They could have, but um, it had to be a part of a plan. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, I think the the one other man I'm going to touch is, uh, and I wouldn't mind to touch his good-looking fella, Mark Talea. Uh, he has killed it over these last two weeks, and, and the more time he gets his hand on the ball, the, the more exciting he is. Um, he, he's sort of one of the those guys that, I don't know how much he, he went looking for the ball. Sometimes the ball seems to get to him. He did go searching for it a little bit, but he still seemed to have so many opportunities for those blues when um, it didn't really seem to be getting out to, to the other wing too much. So whenever he got a touch, he, he seemed to completely like just finish it from wherever it was. Um, and I suppose that's the thing that, that you can see with him, that, that finishing ability. Um, but there's a few guys coming back. He's almost namesake Talea coming back as well. Um, Cam Clark in and out of sevens. Um, yeah, what do you think of him, Craig's? Yeah, look, I thought he was he was very exciting. Um, I think uh, I was surprised he didn't get picked up this week. I remember watching the first Blues game. We all we all liked him a little bit. Um, so in our league, he's still available, and no doubt will be will go very early this week. Um, for mine. I, I couldn't commit to him because I was very excited about the guy who's behind him. Um, someone who I'd yeah. actually like to see come on and play fullback, but Imoni Narawa. Um, he's come on twice. You haven't really got to see much of him, but um, he was absolutely insane in the Mitre 10 Cup. He, he is a youngster at 20 years old, but um, but yeah, no, I think after this week's performance with Mark Talea, he's absolutely a class finisher. Um, and as you said, like he's, he's only... It's only just getting into it. You kind of feel like there's a lot more, a lot more he can yeah. give, a lot more effort. So um, he he looks like um, he's he's definitely locked down that that wing spot um, unless Caleb Clark comes in. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the main problem for Talia is he just makes it look a little bit too easy. So maybe that's why we're not completely convinced. Um, yeah, I'm not convinced that he's locked down that spot, but um, he is he's doing everything he can within his power. Yep. Tom Christie for me, um, we had 30-point Todd for the last number of years, who was a fantastic player from the Crusaders. The young under-20s captain, I think, at some point. But he was, yep. Standout flanker for them. Made 16 tackles in round one without a miss. Made 20 tackles in round two with only one miss. So his work rate is huge. He's got a 37-point average on fantasy scores already. I think move over 30-point Todd, bring in 30-point Tom. So, uh, change. Uh, very excited to see him. And his work rate just means he's going to be bankable as a fantasy player as well. It'll just be interesting to see what happens as some injuries come back. 
That's it. Just another uh, product of the Canterbury uh, factory down there. Uh, so they got him into the system and uh, churning them out. But, um, yeah, you have to feel sorry for uh, Ethan Blackadder and Billy Harmon, you know, like, Wow, your spots go quick if you uh, if you miss a week or two of Super Rugby. Um, there's always someone ready to take it. So, um, no, he's been brilliant, Tom Christie. And the last one I had there, I know he's not a complete rookie, but it was one to Silas Similani. And the only reason I have him there is because we're obviously so excited about him. But if he's not named this week, probably the flip side, I'm really worried about him and his position in the team. There's got to be a reason that you hold a guy out of the lineup when he's that good and that much of a talent. So hopefully it's not something uh, too significant, and hopefully he's back in the squad ASAP. Yeah, look, I, I mean, all the reports are pointing towards it is probably his conditioning. Um, after such a good year last year, you know, it can't be too long before you get in some some decent conditioning, especially off the back of such a short preseason. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, from uh, some of our South African fans and um, just people on social media, I seem to get the the inkling that they think the Lions um, coaching team and, I guess, rugby environment over there is similar to how we describe New South Wales rugby and that they don't, they kind of don't uh, develop their talent. Um, You know, things like, for example, Yanni Duplessis coming back and starting ahead of Carl Usadi. um, You know, they're not very happy about that. Bringing back Wilhelm Alberts is just perhaps going to, get in the way of some young players like Len Mass and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one with Similani. But I think, look, if he's not named this week, Nelson will be buying a ticket to Joe Berg and he'll be over there talking to the coaching staff quick smart. So, um, I've already yeah. sent a few abusive tweets, that's for sure. I'll, I'll ramp that up. Very good. All right. Well, look, I think that's all the um, the young, uh, young rookies we wanted to talk about tonight. Look, there's certainly some more of them, but... Um, Yeah, uh, those are the ones who have proven themselves so far and we're excited to continue watching and think we'll have a big impact in 2020. Uh, All right, I think that's going to do us for the episode 11, uh, season three, episode 11 of the Draft Rugby podcast. Uh, It was uh, great having you tune in and uh, thanks, boys, for the long-distance call again. And, um, yeah, till next week. Stay slutty.